0: You are listening to G.S. Slay, the official podcast of the G.S.A. at Thomas A. Edison Career and Technical High School.
1: The G.S.A. that slays. Steve Hemroge immigrated from Guyana in 2002 and was granted asylum in the United States in 2003. Steve was first appointed to the NYC HIV Planning Council in September 2003 by Mayor Mike Bloomberg and served two terms under him, Mayor de Blasio and now Mayor Adams. Over the last 18 years, he worked in HIV programs for LGBTQ communities, clinical operations and healthcare administration. He is currently working for Cooley's Anemia Foundation as patient outreach director. Hello, uh, I am Maz Canalis. I'm representing for Thomas Edison for the club Gay Strait Alliance. I'm here with four other students. Hi, Steve. Okay. So you came from Guyana, correct? Correct. So can you tell me about what it was like living there? And how old were you when you came?
2: I came here when I was 30 years old. I'm now 52. I've been living here 22 years. Living as a gay man in Guyana is not the best place if I had to choose or go back and choose. Um, I didn't know who I was. Many, many years, and I struggle with my sexual orientation and identity. I went through the bullying in school uh, while I was still figuring out who I am. Um, I dealt with everything else that a normal te- teenager would go through if they appear to be gay. And so what I did for my survival while I was in high school was to be the best as I could be in academics. So I challenged myself, challenged those people who are calling me names or bullying me um, at school to prove to them that I was much more brilliant in education, in academics than they are. And I did that. But that was my coping skills. As I became an adult and I started working, and if any of your students are for Guyana, Guyana is full of gossips and rumors. And by the time I was 25, when I became, a, at the age of 26, I became a bank manager. And that's when I entered the corporate world. And so everybody knew who this Steve Hemraj was. But people were not referring to me as the Steve Hemraj. They were referring to me as the anti-man Steve. Forget about what I, who I am or what I truly am. It was my sexual identity or my sexual orientation was what people saw. It came a point where I was tired of it, and I decided to come here in 2002, and this is where I came out. And I actually came out at one of the biggest forums, the first time I publicly acknowledged who I was, is Amnesty International invited me to be the guest speaker at Boston University in 2000 and as the guest speaker for the Amnesty International Northeastern Conference. And so there I was, I went early and they had, I didn't realize, I wasn't looking back as I was preparing my notes. And then when I go up on stage, as far as my eye can see, it could have been a thousand people. And it was the first time that I started my speech with, I am a proud gay man from Guyana. And from that moment, I felt like my this mountain on my shoulder came off. I still get goosebumps when I talk about it. Because it was the first time I publicly acknowledged who I was, who I am. But life in Guyana is not easy. I'm being gay. I understand now that things have changed a little bit. But mm. it's not. Because the the cultural, social, religious background do not allow people to be, I could not be who I am today and to be accepting and being proud of who I am if I was not living in the U.S.
0: Thank you so much for telling us. Um, By the way, um, I'm Lux. I go by they, them. Um, Mm. Thank you so much for letting us know. Um, That must have been really, really difficult and really, really complicated in some situations and Though we don't directly relate, um, a lot of us can understand like that situation with coming out and stuff like that. So we definitely understand where you went with that.
3: Hello. Um, I'm Chase. Uh I have go by any pronouns. And um when you were still living in Guyana, would you ever or were you ever able to like imagine yourself coming out to like those thousands of people like in that moment? Or was that something you never saw coming?
2: I never saw comment and I would never have come out publicly in Guyana Every, everybody knew people were talking about me and they knew but to be able to to publicly come out in Guyana was never going to happen
0: so once you were here in America and once you ended up like kind of like making a name for yourself how did that like process go how did it feel like I can actually be like open and i know you kind of um, answered this by answering other questions but where it was just kind of like, what was like your moment of realization where I can be me and I can like express myself in how I want?
2: Well, in 2007, my brother in Guyana committed suicide. He's two years older than me. He was also gay. Um, he didn't have the support when I left. I was a support. And when he died, I made a commitment to myself that I would not allow myself. I will not going to kill myself because of who I am. Regardless of what the circumstances, I am going to be out there. I'm going to use my life to help others. And that is why I went back to work in LGBTQ healthcare. And I specifically chose HIV and other communicable sexually transmitted diseases to work in. Because for most LGBTQ population, because of the stigma and the homophobia around it, they put themselves at risk for contracting STIs. And they also put themselves at risk for um, abusive relationships because there's they feel that they can't talk about it. And so since my brother died, that's when I decided, you know what? This is about me. I don't care. And at around the same time, when I got my asylum, I was... I don't have to go back to Ghana. I don't, you don't, no one has to approve me of being who I am. And so I didn't need, at the time when I got my asylum, because I know I'm going to be here. I didn't need someone else's approval for being me. And my philosophy in, in everything that I do in life now, if you don't add value to my life, I have nothing to lose.
0: Thank you. Thank you so much for that response. Um, And thank you for being so open and sharing and being very real about your experience because a lot of people try and, like, sugarcoat it. But um, I think we all can agree that we're very grateful for you for being very honest.
1: Thank you. So you were mentioning that, like, you don't need anybody else's validation. But I'm sure at some point, especially when you were trying to come to the U.S., like, you did feel like you kind of needed to. So I was wondering, like, how it felt to, like, have all these big achievements and, like, make a name for yourself and people only caring about, like, your sexual orientation or, like, who you love and would rather sleep with rather than, like, oh, look what I did for my country. Look what I did for you guys.
2: Well, when I decided I was leaving Guyana, I knew I was leaving everything, my home, my family, everything that I worked for or I owned and had and everything else. I knew it was going to be a transition for me, but I believe the risk of taking that next step was worth it in the long run. Because if I was still living in Guyana 20 years after when I left there, I don't think I could have survived. And looking back at it now, I probably would have done the same thing my brother did. And so I I made a conscious decision. I'm going to drop everything, the material things, the recognition, the thing that I did for my country. And this is going to be about me. And so I leave everything behind. And I came to this country and started everything new. And I don't have any regrets.
3: It's Jeff. Uh, Jeff here, one of the advisors of the podcast club. Mm-hmm. So, uh, just continuing on this line of of thought and questioning, like your mom. I imagine your mom had to also encounter some homophobic attitudes with with family in the community. And I wonder oh, yeah. if she if she ever had to deal with that. And 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 how did she?
2: Before she came here in funny 2014. When she came to this country, I took her. The first thing I did with her because she didn't understand is for her to be comfortable. So I remember taking her in the village. She was 74 years old, hanging out, and I told her, "I, I, I'm, it's not me alone. There are plenty of people." And then we were walking on Christopher Street, and she's look, look one, look one like you. Look two more, oh my God, look how many. And I said, yes, it's not me alone. And I took her into one of the gay bars, a bar called Hanga, a predominantly black gay bar. And everybody were coming up to her and talking to her. And she was like, do these people know me? I said, no. She said, everybody in this club is like you. I said, yes, this is why I brought you in here. And there were so many people in that bar came up to me and her and said, they wish they could take her mother into a gay bar. And so once she becomes comfortable, she has no problem with it. But when she went back to Guyana people said things about me and she would hear, it still offended her. So, but as time goes on and the more she becomes comfortable, she was like, I don't care, but it took it took it took quite a bit of years. It took about seven years for her to come to that point where she was like, Don't you dare talk about my son! He's my child. Uh, thank you for that. And my name is Preston. I go by he him. What legacy would you like to leave behind for people to know about you and know what you stood for? And what you really wanted for the community and people who are discriminated against in general. My legacy is going to be everything that I do professionally, and things that I do in the community. This is one of my legacy, to be able to help one of you, or you help you to help someone else. And so I don't, I don't see myself helping an entire community overnight, but I'm helping individual, one person at a time who could then help somebody else. I've done that in my HIV um, work and come, coming across all of those LGBTQ people um, that I've met and helped them to come out or help them to be who they are and to help them to come out, not only by the LGBT status, but the HIV. These little things, these are the little things The one-on-one, I may not reach 100 people one time, but I might help one person each time. And so as, as long as I'm, I'm alive, I'm going to be who I am and I'm going to help. That is going to be my legacy. It's the work that I do in the LGBTQ community, in public health. Hey, thank you. That was amazing to hear my next question is what is a message for young queer youth that you would like for them to hear and know that could help guide them through the journey of being in the community the first advice is is for the youth to say i'm not alone and two This is who I am. The third thing, I would tell them, this is a journey. It's a process. You have to find the right time or you have to be comfortable at the right time to come out to your family, especially immigrant parents. And the third thing is to create your own network of LGBT youths that you can meet, and now you guys have all the the platforms that you can meet and, you know, you're on Instagram, you're on Snap, you know, you, you, you have a forum. Create a space where you can have a support group or a meeting. Um where you invite other LGBTQ people to share experiences and be able to support each other or share experiences. You know what? I came out to my parents and this is how it went down. And this is the reaction. Somebody might say, you know what? I did it this way and this one worked and it was okay. And so the third person who is about to come out is going to say, you know what? I tried that one and a little bit of this one. So creating a community of peers is also going to help, and it's going to help tremendously. And you could be locked up in your bedroom at 8 o'clock at night while you guys are having a Zoom. And so you're in your private space having this conversation without your parents' involvement or anybody else's. Because you really don't the, – the goal is to not wait for somebody else's validation for you to be who you are. And I think the peer support is one of the greatest benefits – Because I've been, when I first came, I went to um, groups at the LGBTQ center because I wanted to hear other people's experience. And I wanted to hear other people's lived experiences. And and so that helped me. And building a community, a safe space for yourselves with peers is going to be very useful.
3: Um, I would just like to add on to that because I really do agree with that in that having a support system is like crucial in like basically keeping your head afloat because you like being a part of the LGBT community like it isn't easy um not being straight or like not being like cisgender like people are pressed for it like every day so really just like building like those connections like you said and then also like hearing other people's like stories and experiences and kind of like relating over that and bonding over that because the biggest thing about the community is that it's a community and like we really have to like stick together and like educate each other sometimes as well because you know um just like being gay isn't enough to educate you on the experiences of like somebody who's trans or being trans isn't enough to educate you um about somebody who's like asexual so there's like a lot of like information and like experiences that we can share with each other and I kind of like to think about like spreading that outwards, um, to educate other people as well, even outside the community, like allies as well, and people in general.
0: Thank you for that. I think that's really important. And I just want to make a quick point um, before I pass, um, what is it, the microphone to Miles again, is that... um, it's also a lot of diversity, a lot of representation, not just within the community of just being, like, gay, hey, there's lesbian, there's trans people. No, it's, like, a lot of ethnicities and cultural differences and, um like, appreciation that we just have to, like, kind of bring together and realize that despite our differences, we can be together. Because um Chase is from Trinidad. I'm Puerto Rican, Ecuadorian. Miles is Dominican, Miles, Cuban, Puerto Rican, Rican Venezuelan, Venezuela, Honduran. Honduran. He's like uh, the melting Mexican, pot in a person. Yeah. And then, um, Preston's also, um, what is it? He's Jamaican. So like, there's a lot of we we come from a lot of different places. And um, I think Star, I forget what Star said, um, they were from, but yeah. So we all come from different, a lot of different places. Yet we find a way to come here and use this as our time to kind of be together and um as well as just kind of move past those differences that our our um like family before us have like definitely put down on us
1: as a last question i just want to ask like do you feel that this experience has changed you as a person like for the better
2: yes um, this experience, this is what I'm doing with you guys here, is an experience that has changed my life. This is the first time I've ever done something like this. And so this is because I'm out, I'm there, I'm talking about me. It opens up opportunity like this. I never regret coming out, never regret being who I am. And I'm going to be me and I'm going to live my authentic life.
1: Thank you for allowing us to interview you and being so honest. I think that no matter how hard your story was, it is beautiful and you seem like a beautiful person.
2: Thank you. Don't make me cry.
0: This podcast was developed through the Youth Equity Art of the Podcast Residency, funded by the New York City Council. It was developed by History and erased in Houses on the Moon in partnership with the New York City Department of Education. Thanks to our outgoing GSA advisor, Rosemary Gikwan-Olin, for her endless support, and to our incoming advisor, Eva Michael. If you would like to find our GSA, then come to Room 204 on Tuesdays at 3.30 p.m. or find Miss Michael in Room 132. You are listening to... G.S. Slay, the official podcast of the GSA at Thomas A. Edison Career and Technical
2: High School. The the GSA that slays.